Hey, y'all, we hope you're enjoying today's show. Um, we just wanted to come by and let you know a little bit of the information of where you can find and follow us. Yeah, so if you click on the link in our Instagram bio, which you should be following us on Instagram at Hella Cheesement Podcast, it will take you to all the links to all of our platforms. The first one being uh, Patreon which is the visual content to our episode. And you can subscribe to this for $8 a month and you get to see all the tea and partake in our visual activities. Yes. And so, and just like Stephanie said, you can find everything in the bio on our Instagram page, as well as all of the other um, social media platforms we are on. Um, When you go to the Linktree platform, you can see our new uh, article with SD Voyager, links to Patreon, link to our TikTok, link to our YouTube channel, as well as all the different platforms you can listen to the podcast on. At the bottom of that link tree, you'll also see icons that are also clickable for you to find us on all of the platforms that we've mentioned. Again, Patreon is the only platform that we have a subscription plan to that's only $8 a month. And then everything else we provide for that we give for you all as far as content is free. Yeah, so go ahead and if you want to listen to us for free, it's at your Apple podcast, mm-hmm. Google podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, you can watch, the, you can listen to the entire episode on YouTube, but you'll only get a portion of the visual. Like I said, we can uh, subscribe on Patreon. Uh, so utilize all the platforms and keep up with us on Instagram. Yep. And let's get back to the show. Bye, familia. What's my favorite word? Why they gotta say it like short? You know they can't play on my court, can't hang with the big dog, stay on the porch, blow the whistle. Blow the whistle. Blow the whistle. Blow the whistle. Hey, pero no hay boda, Titi me preguntó si tengo muchas novias. Muchas novias, hoy tengo a una, mañana otra. Me la voy a llevar la toa pa' un VIP, un VIP, ey. Saluden a ti, Okay. Well, <laughs> welcome back to another episode of the Hella Cheese Made Podcast. As you can see, we is celebrating Black History Month, y'all. Um, my name is Dana. And I'm Stephanie. And we are y'all's hosts. So we're not necessarily in the meeting room today, but we are in the, um, let's call it the Blackboard Billard's Room, where we celebrate Black History Month and and talk about all things Black history and Black culture. Um, I've been watching Traders is where that all comes from, so. (laughs) (laughs) What is that, a series? Yeah, so Traders is like uh-huh. a game show. It's like one of the number one shows on Peacock right now. And um, I wa- I just finished season one. Uh-huh. And um, it's really good. Uh, honestly, it's like different. It's like, you remember like uh, the real world, uh, world road rules or, you mm-hmm. know, those like yeah. those uh, game challenging shows. Or like everyone dates everyone and like yeah, like Love Island and all mm-hmm. that shit. Like it's definitely it's not a Love Island, but it's definitely mm-hmm. like one of those challenge type TV shows where you know everybody comes into the house, they you know get together, 
They're mm-hmm. trying to, you know, conquer and, you know, win a quarter million dollars at the end of the show. So it's a it's a cool show. I enjoy yeah. it. Um, so yes, I've been watching that. So now the billet, everything from Clue to this show has been stuck in my head. So it's been great. Um <laughs> Anywho, how are you doing, friend? How's things going? How's your weekend? Um, everything's going good. Uh, the weekend's just starting, so so far so good. I've been back on my workout tip, which mm-hmm. is good. Yeah, my body is sore, but mm-hmm. you know, beauty is pain. Pain is beauty. So <laughs> these are facts. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it'll pay off, and yeah. Um. Super Bowl weekend, so I think I'll just, you know, we'll be hanging out Sunday, and then tomorrow, um, my cousins and I are doing a little Valentine's party mm-hmm. for all our kids. We're going to have, like, food, games, goodie bags for them, and mm-hmm. it'll be cute. Yeah, that sounds like fun. Um mm-hmm. Yeah, same here. Just keeping it cute, keeping it chill. This is the first drink I've had in over um two I think about two weeks has it been two weeks no because we were just drunk <laughs> in my mind it has felt like but hella no, cheese, was, Dana, was, hella cheese my math right I was but I was sick all week last week mm-hmm. so I have not been able I have not drank anything but water and um well, it has been two weeks, actually. Yeah, it's been two Almost, weeks. Yeah. Thank you. For you, not for me. Maybe that's why I was girl, projecting. Girl, because I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> um, so I so I wanted a sidecar. Mm-hmm. So, and then I realized I A didn't have all the ingredients for a sidecar. But B, that I really just wanted Hennessy. So what I concocted was what I call a vanilla orange sickle. Ooh, that sounds fire. Let me see what's in it. So it has the same elements as a sidecar, which would be um, a cognac. But, you know, my cognac of choice is Hennessy. And it has Grand Marnier. And so then Paris had went to our girlfriend's house to, um, and she gave us a bunch of oranges. So mm-hmm. he had juiced the oranges. So mm-hmm. I have fresh orange juice. So he, so I made with the fresh orange juice, I did the orange juice and like some honey to sweeten it up. So it's uh-huh. like a little orange liqueur, but it's like, you know, natural. Um, <laughs> vitamin, so I, C. vitamin C. So I'm still getting better at the same time, except I'm still having a cocktail. <laughs> Wait, me. where does the vanilla come in? I'm getting there. Oh. So, so, uh, we, what did I say? Hennessy, Grand Marguerite, orange, and then the orange juice has a little bit of honey in it. So then I did a ta- a teaspoon of maple syrup and a teaspoon of uh, vanilla extract. And baby, I shook that thing up. And this is what we got. It's real good. Is it? Yeah. I'm a little twisted. I'm about to go get some honey and make that shit. <laughs> I have hella oranges. Girl, it's good. Everything else. It's good. That I like it. Fire. Yes. Yeah. 
Um, okay, so you know, this month is we're at the tail end of Black History Month. Well, it's technically when we're recording this, it's not the end of Black History Month. Mm -hmm. But by the time this comes out, it will be the end of Black History Month. So um, this episode is a celebration of that. Um, We will be chit-chatting it up with a good friend of ours, um, talking about all things being African-American and working in healthcare and the intersections of being Black, working in healthcare, and also being a part of the LGBTQIA community. Mm-hmm. Um, and so far, this has been fun. It's been fun to kind of talk to different people. Um, mm-hmm. We had Push and P on our on our <laughs> uh on our show so that was our very very first like guest and mm-hmm. obviously that was easy because that's my husband and then that's your friend and you know my best friend for life but um so that was easy but this has been a very well and then we also had last year we had Siobhan and mm-hmm. Genesis were here for Hispanic Heritage Month so but this has been the um it's been the most robust like rolling out with the guests and the speakers, I guess we've done since we've had this podcast. So it's been a lot of work, but mm-hmm. um, I've been enjoying it. How have you been feeling about it? I, I'm i excited. I feel yeah. like, you know, I'm really excited for today's because mm-hmm. I love the person that's coming. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I don't know, it's cool that... Uh, like people see us, you know, outside of our creative element, mm-hmm. but it's cool to kind of invite them into this space of ours because it's a little bit different mm-hmm. um, and it's sacred to us. Yeah. So um, I, it's awesome. Yeah. And yeah. I, and I, and I get excited to see how they are like in front of, you know what okay. I mean? Because yeah. we see them too. Same thing. Like we see them as friends and like whatever, you know, whatever event we're at or place, whatever, mm-hmm. but you don't see them like in their creative space or like mm-hmm. their, you know, what, like their story or like their voice or whatever. So it's cool to see that. Yeah. That. 100%. 100% agree. Um, I feel the same. Um, you know, I also feel like this is why I encourage people to bring like, a cocktail or like um to do something to feel like where they're not in a space of uh feeling nervous mm-hmm. i mean we've done plenty of episodes where we're not always drinking so i think it's clear that we are comfortable in front of the camera mm-hmm. um but you know you never know how other people react so but i am excited for today i think we have a great show in store for everyone that is listening mm-hmm. and watching and I'm excited. So I think we should uh, head on over to getting ready to the main cheese may topic for today. Okay, sounds good. Stay tuned, guys. All right, bye. Hey, y'all. We hope you're enjoying today's show. Um, we just wanted to come by and let you know a little bit of the information of where you can find and follow us. Yeah, so... If you click on the link in our Instagram bio, which you should be following us on Instagram at Hella Cheesement Podcast, it will take you to all the links to all of our platforms. The first one being uh, Patreon, which is the visual content to our episode. And you can subscribe to this for $8 a month 
and you get to see all the tea and partake in our visual activities. Yes. And so, and just like Stephanie said, you can find everything in the bio on our Instagram page, as well as all of the other um, social media platforms we are on. Um, when you go to the Linktree platform, you can see our new uh, article with SD Voyager, links to Patreon, link to our TikTok, link to our YouTube channel, as well as all the different platforms you can listen to the podcast on. At the bottom of that link tree, you'll also see icons that are also clickable for you to find us on all of the platforms that we've mentioned. Again, Patreon is the only platform that we have a subscription plan to that's only $8 a month. And then everything else we provide for that we give for you all as far as content is free. Yeah. So go ahead and if you want to listen to us for free, it's at your Apple podcast, mm -hmm. Google podcast. Mm -hmm. Um, you can watch, the, you can listen to the entire episode on YouTube, but you'll only get a portion of the visual. Like I said, we can uh, subscribe on Patreon. Uh, so utilize all the platforms and keep up with us on Instagram. Yep. And let's get back to the show. Bye, familia. All right. Welcome back, everyone, to the Hella Cheese podcast. Um, so I just, again, want to thank everyone for joining us. Uh, just a reminder, the Hello Cheese May podcast, we are celebrating, uh, the month of February and this month is the month of love and black history month and celebrating our niggas and friends. Like I said <laughs> at the beginning, um, today on this episode, which is our official black history month episode, uh, we're going to be highlighting a guest talking through the intersectionality of being African-American, um, uh, African-American man and being part of the community, which is our Liga Bigga Tigga community and working in healthcare. Um, and then we'll go get into some mess later, you know, because that we wouldn't be us if we just didn't get into some foolishness. <laughs> um, so I want to let you go ahead and introduce yourself, tell the people who you are, and then we'll go from there. Awesome. Thank you so much, Dana and Stephanie, for having me on your podcast. I'm very Happy for you all that you have uh, have done this endeavor and that you're doing hella chisme. And I'm very happy to be part of it. My name is Dr. Gregory Thomas. I'm a palliative medicine physician and I work in San Diego County. Mm -hmm. Yes, Greg, thank you so much for being with us. And so just to start off, I'm gonna say cheers. Um, so let me put my hand behind it because Stephanie told us oh, yeah, if we wanna be right influencers, <laughs> we gotta put our yeah. hand behind so we don't black out our influencer techniques. I so, drink. <laughs> salute to y'all. Happy Black History Month. Happy right. Lament of Love. And thanks for joining us, Greg. We're so excited to have you. I'm very excited. Yes. Awesome. Yes. I'm glad to be here. So, Greg, tell us a little bit about how. So, obviously, you know, I know you personally. Stephanie knows you personally. I know a good portion of your story. But Tell us a little bit about how you went when you start went to school. You a little bit about your education background, then becoming a doctor, and just kind of what that journey was for you. Awesome. Um, so I grew up in the Washington D.C. metropolitan area. I'm originally from uh, up Marlboro, Maryland, um, and I wanted to become a doctor uh, because I was inspired by. Um, uh, Dr. Ben Carson's autobiography, Gifted Hands. And that's what started my journey um, with, uh, with going into medicine. 
And then it just kind of took off from there. So that was when I was in middle school. And in high school, I was in a number of science, um, like camps and and uh, things over the summer. So, for example, I was in a <clears throat> a, um, a a program sponsored by NASA uh, called the Summer High School Apprenticeship Research Program, uh, where they brought us all over the country. It was a diversity program to expose um, uh, uh, women and people and like uh, people of color. Uh, to the STEM fields, so science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. Mm-hmm. Uh, I worked in a transplant uh, surgery like research department, so we were doing uh, research um, on uh, on rat models, and I realized that I didn't want to be in a lab. I actually wanted to see people, and so uh, that kind of solidified my choice to become a doctor. Mm-hmm. So um, after high school, I moved to Houston, Texas, and went to Rice University, and uh, majored in sociology. Uh, I fell in love with um, uh, with the discipline when I did my first sociology course on my sophomore year, and I uh, and the thing I liked about it was the flexibility, right? So we uh, we were supposed to do this intro sociology course. Everybody raved about it and said that they loved it, and instead of it being like just a very basic like defining what sociology is and having all these definitions that you had to go through. Uh, they actually stopped the course and turned it into a research project because Hurricane Katrina um, mm-hmm. happened uh, around that time. So the entire class was dedicated to uh, understanding the history of New Orleans and also kind of the the um, the social makeup of New Orleans and why uh, you know uh, why you had these all these issues come up around Hurricane Katrina. And I decided to do my coursework uh, uh, there. And then I also uh, finished my pre-med coursework. Um, afterwards, I uh, took some time off and, uh, and used my sociology degree between undergrad and med school uh, for about three years. And, uh, one, and that's how I got introduced to palliative medicine, uh, end-of-life care. Mm-hmm. I uh, then went on to go to uh, Philadelphia College of Osteopathic Medicine in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And the themes of, of uh, palliative care and, um, and also providing uh, value-based care for patients at the end of life and patients living with uh, serious illness came up a lot. And I, um, uh, the thing that got me uh, you know, hooked onto palliative care was that I you know, was uh, uh, with a social worker and we were going around Philadelphia, going to different patients' homes and, um, and checking in with them and seeing how they were. Um, and that's what, and you know, that's what got my interest um, into palliative medicine. Uh, went to a family medicine residency in Spartanburg, South Carolina, and then I moved to San Diego uh, uh, because I matched into a fellowship, hospice and fellowship, uh, hospice and palliative care fellowship at the University of California in San Diego. And now I'm here after I graduated. Yes, yes. And we are happy that you are. <laughs> yes. So, uh, so Greg, I, so you've moved around a lot. Mm-hmm. I think that, um, I think that you are definitely one of my, uh, one of my closest friends that have definitely been to a lot of different places that have moved around, been able to experience different areas, different places, and being able to be around different type of people, whether they are Black, white, Hispanic, 
whatever. Um, and you've experienced them in different uh, elements. So I was reading an article um, and it was called Stolen From Me by Usha Lee uh, McFarland, which speaks to the stories about black and African-Americans being forced out of residency. And you mentioned about your residency. Um, mm -hmm. And I kind of want to just hear about what the experience was like for you. And just if you can speak to any any experiences that you think that, uh, you know, just kind of sticks to the inequities of being in a residency and having being Black and African-American and how, what that was like for you. Of course. Across the board, I think that medical education and uh, residency is normalized to be a very grueling uh, uh, kind of experience, right? And so mm -hmm. no matter what program you go into, it's meant to be a very intense experience. It's meant to uh, to be strenuous. Mm -hmm. And also the expectations for you are extremely high because of the nature um, of the work. So people are putting their lives in in, uh, in your hands. Mm -hmm. um, and so there so the idea is that you know there you have to you have to be the best, right? Mm -hmm. um, the Concern really comes when the those expectations are very different for uh, for different people, mm -hmm. and so uh, you if you have and so like uh, like especially being uh, so when I was in residency I was the only black person uh, within my cohort, mm -hmm. and it was it was actually kind of surprising mm -hmm. because when I was, and actually it was uh, actually the only person of color really, like like uh, um, like in general mm -hmm. uh, within my cohort. And it was surprising because I actually chose the program because there were other black residents um, in the year above me. Mm -hmm. So there were, so their, their year produced three uh, black residents mm -hmm. um, in the program. And so it was great because I, uh, was under this impression that I would have, you know, this uh, this group of people that uh, that I would have shared experiences and that I could that I could go to, you know, if anything happened. And that was the case. Like they're very supportive, and actually, all of my uh, residents were were extremely supported. Uh, was uh, extremely supportive, um, and so uh, there were. And so overall, like the the. The, org the program uh, was great because I was able to, I felt like I was ready to become a family medicine physician, uh, but a uh, number of factors just uh, were challenging. Being the only black person, being the only uh, person of color, um, also knowing if it was a good time, if it was uh, you know a, a good idea to even come out um, uh, being in this community. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's easy to, um, I think everybody universally knows that being uh, is that, you know, treating black people unfairly is bad. Mm -hmm. But then when you're in a community where, uh, where like you are supported by your communities of faith um, mm -hmm. to discriminate against uh, LGBT people, then it becomes a, you know, then you don't really have those same checks or you don't have that, that same understanding that, that, you know, treating LGBT people unfairly is bad as well. And so um, I think it, I think while I was able to get good, um, I was able to get a good, uh, you know, basis for, um, for being a good 
primary, uh, primary care physician, um, it wasn't, it became apparent that it wasn't a, uh, the, a good community to live in. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it wasn't a community that I could be myself and flourish in that standpoint. And so when I moved to San Diego uh, for fellowship, um, I, I found a community where I was more comfortable and that I could thrive. And even with the, um, even with the level of, of um, support that I was getting, I felt more seen by the, uh, by the staff, by, you know, everybody, by, you know, the attendings that are the physicians, the other physicians that I worked with. And so it became a more affirming um, environment to be in. And that's actually the push that kept me in San Diego. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And just for the folks that need a little clarity, what is the difference between residence and fellowship? Yeah, that's a great question. So uh, residency is where you get your primary specialty. So these are specialties, for example, like internal medicine, um, where they only focus on care for adults. Um, or the program that I was in was family medicine. So uh, the idea behind that is that you're you're a primary care physician for a large spectrum of people. So uh, we usually call it from cradle to grave. So we see anybody from newborns to elderly people. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's uh, and we can provide care in multiple different in multiple you know locations. So in the hospital, in outpatient clinic, um, some family some family medicine physicians uh, deliver babies still, even though that's not as common uh, nowadays. <clears throat> but uh, the other specialties would be like obstetrics and gynecology. Uh, which focuses on like women and pregnant women um, or neurology. But then you have a fellowship, which is a, um, it's a scholastic permission to focus on one thing within your specialty. Mm -hmm. And the idea of specializing or going into fellowship training after residency in family medicine has been relatively new. So um, uh, it used to be several years ago where you would uh, you would be a family doctor, and that was that was what you did. But now there's plenty of opportunities to specialize within family medicine. So um, I decided to specialize in care for patients with serious illness. So I pursued uh, a fellowship training in hospice and palliative medicine. Uh, there's some people that want to do. Um, or want to get more training in uh, in obstetrics. So uh, my program in South Carolina uh, had an obstetrics fellowship uh, so that you could do C-sections and uh, cesarean sections and, and, uh, and deliveries. Um, some, uh, some patients, uh, some uh, uh, residents like sleep medicine. So um, if, you, if, you, uh, uh, if you wanted to be a sleep medicine physician, uh, you can do fellowship after uh, your residency training um, or some people went into adolescent medicine. So, uh, so that, so, uh, so it was, it was a way so that you could focus on, on only doing one piece of your, of your training. Mm-hmm. Was there something, was there something specific that like made you select that as your field of like expertise or like, is there something specific that drove you to select that? Um, they, uh, so the main drive to do it was really the experience that I had before medical school. So 
I was a membership coordinator for a nonprofit organization that focused on um, on uh, palliative end of life care. Mm-hmm. And it was funny, I always tell people I didn't know what palliative end of life care uh, was at that time. So when I went to the interview, um, one, I got a ticket, I got a parking ticket because uh, <laughs> I was like desperately trying to make it to the interview on time. And then um, the one of the first questions that the super that the executive director asked me was, "Do you know anything about palliative care?" And I decided to be very honest and say, "No, I knew nothing about palliative care before I came here." Um, actually, when you when we scheduled the interview, I looked on Google, I googled it and and figured out where what it was. <laughs> and so, and so she. Um, she, you know, I guess she appreciated the honesty because I got the job and she uh, she said, you know, me neither, because uh, her background was in marketing. And and, uh, and so she applied uh, her knowledge in other palliative care. Uh, I'm sorry, other um, nonprofit organizations uh, to the work of palliative care. And then um, to get a better understanding about why people went into this field. Uh, just because it was so divisive, um, even my even when I told my family about it, you know, the, this idea about end of life care was very um, like it, it evoked a lot of of different emotions. And so I remember my dad; he's a he's a um, uh, uh, he's a a um, devout Catholic, and so he uh, he gave me he shared with me this uh, uh, this booklet on the Catholic, uh, I guess. Um, perspective on end-of-life care mm-hmm. uh, and on the dying mm-hmm. and I uh, felt that it was very important for me to know about that what and you say? so huh I'm like what you say <laughs> <laughs> well it was uh I think it was I think he just wanted me to know what the Catholic Church stance was and mm-hmm. when you look at it uh there is I think there is an uh an embrace that we are born into this world and we're all gonna die Mm-hmm. And there was this, there was this uh, different, and there's this difference between providing extraordinary care and also ordinary care. So, like for example, extra, uh, ordinary care would be things that you would do for your health that is not um, causing any negative impact mm-hmm. on your financial, social, or spiritual well-being. Mm-hmm. So, for example, you get pneumonia, and uh, it means that you just go to your doctor, you get an antibiotic, and then you go about you take it and you go about your life. That would be ordinary care, right? And then they then they they uh, make a point of of talking about extraordinary care, which is care that does not have a negative impact on, on these things uh, on these other aspects of your life. So um, you get pneumonia, but the pneumonia is so bad that you're confined to a ventilator. So mm-hmm. now it's taking a toll on your psychosocial well-being, your personhood, because now you can't talk to other people or you can't be a person uh, while you're uh, because you're on a ventilator for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. Um, or you uh, uh, or you decide that um, you want to, you know, like, you know, your family decides that, that they want to keep you on a ventilator and send you to a facility like that would be an example of like an extraordinary, extraordinary care. And so they do support care for patients at the end of life. And the Catholic Church does uphold, you know, this idea of doing, of, of continuing things that are ordinary. Um, but I wanted to know what, why other people went into it, because it seemed like everybody else went into it on accident. 
And so I did interviews while I was in the nonprofit and I spoke to other um, people within the, within the field. So we had lawyers who were part of the American Bar Association, um, like a law and aging department. Uh, we had, I spoke to a palliative care physician and I remember collecting their stories and then publishing them in our, in our, our newsletter. Mm-hmm. Um, and hearing, you know, the reason, the hearing their passion, hearing, you know, why they got into palliative care and that it added meaning to the work that they do uh, gave me inspiration to pursue it as well. Mm. It's interesting that you that you say that because so I often think about so what you saying that I was thinking about um, kind of how palliative care which is essentially hospice care, correct? Um, right. Well, it's a, it's a slight difference. They are very related. So, okay. um, so what I would so I usually try to uh, so me and my coworkers kind of joke about this, but uh, we kind of relate palliative care to less the like we try to think of it as a different is in different ways. Okay. So we tried this as like a palliative care egg. So mm-hmm. if you imagine like an egg. A boiled egg is mm-hmm. palliative care. Yep. Um, hospice is the yolk. So palliative care will deal with anybody who has um, serious illness and you can mm-hmm. access palliative care at any stage in a disease course. Um, mm-hmm. They will provide additional support and manage suffering, mm-hmm. uh, whether it's psychosocial support, spiritual distress, mm-hmm. um, pain, nausea, vomiting, shortness of breath, anxiety. Mm-hmm. Um, palliative care can help with those things while you do your treatments or while you go through your journey. Mm-hmm. Um, hospice is a more specialized form of, of palliative care. So it is specifically for patients whose serious illness is so far gone that, um, that they are now at, at a, like, a, like, and now they're at the end of life. Mm-hmm. Um, and, okay. uh, and so with that, the understanding is that you will focus on comfort um, that things that you are doing to correct your disease trajectory, mm-hmm. uh, you're no longer doing. For example, with cancer, um, uh, your uh, patients don't typically pursue chemotherapy while they're on hospice, but they mm-hmm. may pursue chemotherapy if they're receiving palliative care treatments. Got it. Or if they have end-stage renal disease, they no longer wish to uh, continue hemodialysis. Mm-hmm. but they may continue hemodialysis if they're receiving palliative care. Mm-hmm. Um, that is provided through your Medicare Part A benefit. Uh, so anybody who has Medicare uh, Part A uh, has a, a, a hospice benefit installed in their benefits mm-hmm. um, in, in their Medicare. Mm-hmm. And um, it's a service where it can be delivered anywhere. So if you want to be at home and 70% of Californians want to die at home, mm-hmm. um, then uh, hospice can be there. If you're at a skilled nursing facility, hospice staff can be there to help provide an extra layer of support. Um, if you find yourself in a hospital, hospice can be there. So it's where, wherever the patient is located, that's where hospice can be. So, so yeah, I mean, the other, uh, the other comparison that we gave was a, was a palliative care martini. So like, if you think of like palliative care as the martini and hospice would be the olive. <laughs> um, Got it. So, yeah. It's so like it's, it's a, like that end, the end one. Yes. Yeah. 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 Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, that's good. That's good to understand that because I have always, I've all, me personally, have always thought the two were the same. 
So, but that's good to understand the difference in between the two and kind of how uh, doctors and specialists contextualize the difference between the two and what each each one means. So that's dope. Okay, that's good to know. And there, there's uh, a lot of people that have that that um, conception because um, it's great when patients don't know anything about palliative care because then that gives me an opportunity to teach them. Mm-hmm. Uh, patients that have that already have some idea it becomes more challenging because they're like, oh my God, you're, I'm about to die. You're gonna, mm-hmm. you're gonna talk to me about, you're gonna make me, you're gonna force me on a hospice. And it's like, no, 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 it's not about that. It's about providing the best care possible for you. Mm-hmm. And it's about counseling you and and, uh, and and knowing what your values are as a person and trying to apply that to, to care while we go through this uh, journey with you. Like yeah. you have to break that stigma and educate them at the same time. Exactly, yeah. Okay. Oh, look at us getting woke over here. <laughs> <laughs> I love using that word because they know like <laughs> yeah, I think uh, No, but this is a lot of information. No, like it's it's a lot of information and like, you know, not not everybody in general knows this information. And then especially people of color, right? Whether it's, you know, Latinos, blacks, things like this, because we um they don't always have the same level of care, like the same level of like access to these things. So this is a great, a great, you know, opportunity for people to learn about this and like actually understand it. Especially. Yeah. That's one of the concerns is that, Oh, sorry. uh, uh, Black and Latino um, communities, they, uh, they're lower utilizers of hospice care. Um, And in turn, unfortunately, um, it often translates to um, to Black and Latino communities having uh, lower satisfaction in their healthcare. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> I did a I did a diversity, equity, inclusion training uh, for healthcare, because at the time I was trying to apply to work in like Kaiser and Sharp and all of that and do DI there, but that's. The uh, same thing I learned in that training. Um, so, um, so we've talked about kind of we've you and we've talked about you and I talked about like racial bias in healthcare, and we've talked about like different experiences that different people have shared. Um, I just kind of want to hear just a little bit about like what has been like your experience, like you know, walking into the room. You know, I always tell people when I'm talking about me, I'm like, I, yes, people notice my nails. They know they manicure. They notice my wedding ring. They notice I'm married. But uh, the first thing people always see is that I'm Black and that I'm a man. So, you know, that always can be a, a thing for people, right? And then everything else comes after that. So, when you walk into the room, what has been like some of your experiences just being in healthcare, being African-American, being a man, and um, how has that been for you? Yeah, it's, um, I think for the for the most part, I, I have to understand that there are certain things that I need to, to do in order to garner confidence in um, and patient and like like you know and and um and getting patients trust mm-hmm. um especially as a as a black man uh because mm-hmm. that's you know gonna be just like what you mentioned that's the first thing that they see 
-hmm. And with that, being in this body, being um, uh, and looking the way that I am is that they may not see a lot of Black physicians. Mm -hmm. And so quite often I've been mistaken for uh, uh, someone, for a chaplain, for a social worker, um, for a... um, uh, for somebody that works in the cafeteria at the at the hospital, and so it's uh so then I have to um I have to understand that like um I need to basically dress the part and play the part, mm-hmm. and which has been a huge challenge for me because uh, my because you know personality wise and Danny you know this uh, really well is I like to dress down I like I I will look I will be more than happy to look like a bum walking around my house. But I know that that uh, and then even in the palliative care um, realm, we like we're very interdisciplinary. And so we work very well and we see ourselves on a level playing field with the social workers and chaplains and nurses that we work with. And so um, and so there's uh, there's often a tendency to uh, to like have to not wear white coat or some of the uh, palliative care physicians will uh, will have will insist on um on people referring to them by their first name and i and so in fellowship i've tried that and it didn't go over very well because they were like like are you really a doctor like why why am i calling you greg so um so then i have to do things that that uh that really you know set the uh like like set their expectations for example um when i'm in the hospital i wear my white coat um so i don't so I won't leave without my, if I'm seeing a family member, I won't leave without my white coat because uh, that will, like seeing them, when they see me in my white coat, then they automatically, and they see that, you know, it has my my name and my title on there. Uh, they they know exactly who they're, they're work, who they're dealing with. Mm. Um, or um, I will refer to myself as Dr. Thomas instead of Greg. Mm-hmm. Um Although on my business card, I, I will put Gregory Thomas. Um, uh, it, it has it. It actually doesn't say doctor. It just says my. It just has my name and my my um, my uh, uh, initials, like like my title, my DL title. So I'm a DL, I'm not an MD. Um, <laughs> which, <laughs> so they so they have uh, so there are certain things that I will do to to like make sure that you know that I that they they can you know, uh, uh, garner my trust, uh, garner their trust in what I'm saying to them. Um, also in the facility that I'm at, uh, when we're communicating bad news, um, they, you know, often prefer to hear this from a doctor and they prefer to hear advice from a physician. And so they'll, um, so again, we're very interdisciplinary. We have our, our nurse practitioners and our, our nurses. They're really amazing people to work with and our social and our palliative social worker as well. They're great people to work with. Um, but when they when they share information or they try to engage in goals of care with the family, um, they'll uh, some of the family members will insist on speaking with a physician. Mm-hmm. And so that's so when so I will get these consults where they will uh, they they want to talk to a doctor to hear this information. So I know that I have to come in and they need to see doctor. And that's when, you know, the white coat and the Dr. Thomas comes on. Mm-hmm. Well, and and it's so interesting how like you have to do specific things to like get the get the reactions, get the attention and get the 
for people to essentially respect where you are at in your your place of power in that um in that specific time but the reality is this is what it is for you know when you are in specific professions like you know like you said I too would love to just walk around my house looking like a bum. I do <laughs> most of the time like to walk around the house looking like a bum. But you know, when I go into a professional setting, I can't do that. Like, you know, my always my number one is to show I want to show my personality. I want to show that I love clothes and fashion because I do. That's the reality of it. And then B, I also just want to, I want to let you know that come every day you need to show up like i'm showing up because i'm not coming to play no games with you <laughs> these shoes are going to be on this outfit is yeah. going to be on <laughs> like we about to be showing out yeah, dress um, in and dress to the nines honey like there anybody got time for that right. um so we're gonna that take a break oh, oh go okay ahead. i no. was just gonna say that does suck because um, you know, you invest so much money and time into your education and, you know, you carry yourself a certain way, you you speak a certain way. And then on top of that, you have to like, you know, just, you know, ensure that you have this certain like presence or whatever, you know, to just like prove yourself in a way mm -hmm. or have, feel like you have to prove yourself. I don't know if that's the right way of saying it, but like, so then people can kind of you know trust you and put their guard down and like be a little more at ease yeah but, I mean, yeah it's just the fact if that only they knew because you have a heart of gold so I, they're in very good hands <laughs> i mean i also feel like it's a part of code switching like you know which is a whole nother conversation for a whole nother mm. day um, Becky it up right <laughs> but okay so we have to take a break uh we will be back and uh we'll see y'all here for the rest of the conversation Okay. Bye. Hey, y'all. We hope you're enjoying today's show. Um, we just wanted to come by and let you know a little bit of the information of where you can find and follow us. Yeah. So if you click on the link in our Instagram bio, which you should be following us on Instagram at Hella Cheesement Podcast, it will take you to all the links to all of our platforms. The first one being uh, Patreon which is the visual content to our episode. And you can subscribe to this for $8 a month and you get to see all the tea and partake in our visual activities. Yes. And so, and just like Stephanie said, you can find everything in the bio on our Instagram page, as well as all of the other um, social media platforms we are on. Um, when you go to the Linktree platform, you can see our new uh, article with SD Voyager links to Patreon, link to our TikTok, link to our YouTube channel, as well as all the different platforms you can listen to the podcast on. At the bottom of that link tree, you'll also see icons that are also clickable for you to find us on all of the platforms that we've mentioned. Again, Patreon is the only platform that we have a subscription plan to that's only $8 a month. And then everything else we provide for that we give for you all as far as content is free. Yeah, so go ahead and if you want to listen to us for free, it's at your Apple podcast, mm -hmm. Google podcast. Mm -hmm. um, you can watch, the, you can listen to the entire episode on YouTube, but you'll only get a portion of the visual. Like I said, we can uh, subscribe on Patreon. Uh, so utilize all the platforms and keep up with us on Instagram. Yep. And let's get back to the show. 
Bye, Familia. Yeah, so Greg had moved here June, right? You moved here June 26th. Yeah, late June. So, and I moved July 12th. So we were literally like a couple of weeks apart with moving. So um, it was, yeah, I mean, all of that is all that happened, which is funny because I'm like, fuck, I went to Lestat's. Why did I go to Lestat's? But then I also remember that that same night I got my first ticket in San Diego because at the time I was driving a hoopty. <laughs> and I had a tail light out. I had a, I mean, sorry, a headlight out. So I was driving with my high beams on so that nobody would pull me over. But anyway, so um, yes, that is hilarious. That because I'm like, oh my gosh, yes. Anyway, I don't remember the what was the first time that we all hung out. I don't remember. Uh, I, but I, I, no I remember the first time like the three of us went out by ourselves that was a good time oh my god yeah was that at Rich's <laughs> yes no that could have been yeah that the, was the first that time was, like was... we just went out like us oh okay yeah yeah because uh-huh, yeah. I was like yeah I was like newly single and I was, uh-huh. and, yeah I'm like it was definitely Rich's <laughs> um so I just feel like one of the, so the part of this section, I just really want to talk through is just like, because I know Greg, you, I've lived in the Bay. Uh-huh. I know you've been in a great deal of parts where I had a good portion, a majority of Brown and people of color. Mm-hmm. so and I know when I came to San Diego one of the main things I was like I don't know if you've ever seen that meme of Big Sexy when he was dressed as a girl and he was like where the niggas at <laughs> that is exactly how I felt when I came to San Diego I was like where they at like show me mm-hmm. and I have been here to come visit a couple of different times and I, you know, I've seen pockets and little and little um, sections of mm-hmm. uh, black African-American uh, men and uh, women, but I've not seen like a good majority mix as I would have seen living in the Bay Area. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I just kind of wanted to just talk about like the reality is that Southern California doesn't have like good, big, good, big pockets of, you know, like black culture or like just people that are black and african-american that we can all run to for we have to make our own what are your thoughts yeah that's uh yeah that was one of the observations i made and uh from a personal and also from a uh, professional perspective so um i uh, uh personally you know still kind of um i think i was i was still kind of getting more comfortable with with uh with you know sexuality and things like that mm-hmm. and so it was uh so uh moving to san diego meant you know trying to um uh figure out exactly what i wanted um as far as dating and things of that nature uh before san diego i did i did uh date uh guys and um and so uh, and it was the and when i was living in washington dc um i was only dating uh black men um, just because, you know, it was easier, shared experiences. It was a lot to choose from. And um, and so, uh, but then when I uh, moved to San Diego, it was the first, it was, uh, well, no, it, yeah, it was the first time that I consistently, um, uh, you know, pursued interracial dating. Mm-hmm. And um, 
I will say that one of the one of the things that was that was great is just being open to different people, different experiences. And um, uh, so, you know, the whole, uh, so it was, it was great to meet, like to, you know, step out of something that I was, that I wasn't usually, um, uh, that, I, that I hadn't usually dated or people that I hadn't usually dated. Um, and uh, from those experiences, I was able to meet a lot of great people. Yeah. Um, professionally, um, uh, you know, one of the things that gave me a lot of guilt about staying in San Diego um, was uh, giving back. So, um, you know, I, um, you know, being in Philadelphia, you know, we had a lot of um, opportunities to do volunteer activities, to give back to, um, to, uh, to uh, specifically black, uh, probably black communities. And especially in DC, like I was with the, um, I think it was called the um, African-American Coalition Against AIDS. So we were going to all these like majority black uh, like uh, like shops and neighborhoods and in, in Washington D.C. and we were giving out condoms and raising awareness um, of uh, of HIV transmission. At the time, um, believe they believe the statistic was that one in five Washingtonians, black Washingtonians, were uh, HIV positive. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was uh, so it was a great opportunity for us uh, for me to give back. Um, so being in San Diego, there aren't really a lot of spaces or you have to really work at finding those spaces, mm-hmm. um, to like, uh, to give back or to do your civic duty. Mm-hmm. Uh, with that said, being in the area that I'm in or being in the community that I'm in, um, is, is, um, uh, is still minority, um, like a group. Yep. So the community that I serve, um, is mostly, uh, Latino and also um, Arabic-speaking populations. Um, so, uh, and and it's a it's a uh, and before I was uh, working as a hospital palliative medicine physician, um, I was uh, using my family medicine training and working for a federally qualified health center, which is uh, usually a, a, a clinic, um, a primary care clinic that specializes and providing care for patients that are in underserved populations. Yeah. And so um, and so I felt a sense of meaning and I did feel like I was I was still giving back and and serving a community that, you know, that I that I, you know, wanted to serve mm-hmm. um, uh, when I even even though it wasn't predominantly black. Yeah. Um, and uh, and I still see black patients. I still like even when I was at the at the uh, FQAC, um, and also uh, now, um, you know, I still serve uh, like a black and African American patients, but of course not as many as I would if I uh, was back home uh, in Washington D.C. area. Yeah, I mean, and that's kind of like, you know, when you get to the when things inspire you to do what you do as a profession and when you get to the point that you are like, okay, now I can start giving back, that's kind of what you look for and why you choose the space where you mm-hmm. want to work or you choose the 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 um, the, uh, the location or business that you actually want to work in for those reasons because it's like, I want to give back to this community, right? Mm-hmm. Like, so it, it's interesting, you know, and- because and again I know you personally I know the conversations we had I know we've had to like be like girl please don't leave California or San Diego 
where are you going? <laughs> I know we've had to have those conversations. So, but, but I think, you know, it's important that for us to have those, those roots and that knowledge of wanting to solidify ourselves in these spaces, but, and give back, that's kind of what we need. That's what creates like, you know, the culture and which creates a different type of space for mm. places like San Diego and like LA and, you know, all these overly saturated spots that are, have, yes, all different kinds of people, but it's hard to find your, your folks or your, uh, the people that you feel like you connect the most with. Yeah. And I think that there is a lot to be said about, um, still being open to meeting different people mm-hmm. and still, um, and, and still being, um, you know, very accepting and, and pro-diversity. Mm-hmm. But then it's also important, or there's a lot to be said about um, being in spaces where you can have shared experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, there's, uh, it like, there's things that as a, as a Black male, as a Black queer male, mm-hmm. um, that you can share, that you can have, um, or that you can, you know, relate to mm-hmm. that maybe no one else can relate to. And mm-hmm. so it was, I think what, that's one of the, the great things about being in San Diego as well is that, you know, like, uh, like finding, uh, finding a tribe, finding or finding your tribe. Mm-hmm. So, you know, with that said, like, like, is like, uh, yeah, uh, San Diego may not have a lot of a lot of like big black communities like like, you know, L.A., D.C., you know, Atlanta, you know, would have. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was still but like it was just this uncanny, you know, um, way of finding of like finding other people mm-hmm. um, that you can relate to that we can relate to. And so, you know, we have, you know, our other friends that that are that have been amazing people to be around and. And that, you know, we love uh, in that, you know, I love being around them. I love their company. And I think that was the other thing that kept me in San Diego. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, but yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> um, the, uh, yeah, the, uh, the dating pool is, uh, is pooling. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> is, that a good, is that a good thing or a bad thing? <laughs> uh, uh, both, uh, okay. you know, it's, <laughs> it, you meet you meet some interesting people. It's um, ghetto out here. Yeah, <laughs> in the I, on the straight side too. So this is not yeah. just like a. Oh no! Yeah, yeah no, it's not a gay thing. Um, it's just a dating. Yeah, thing it's right uh, it's just a general like. Uh, I think that I think part of it is just kind of knowing. Um, for me, is is just uh like uh, like knowing what I want, knowing knowing who I am in relation to to like uh like you know talking to other people. Mm-hmm. um and uh but it's also having fun you know uh like and enjoying the ride right mm-hmm. and uh it's uh like you can you can have you can enjoy you know i, I enjoy meeting new people mm-hmm. and so it's uh so it's, uh, so for as many of the crazies that are out there uh, <laughs> it it becomes a uh it, it's still you know a, it's still good to to just like be out and to mm. And to just to have these new experiences. Yeah, like connect with others. It's like finding the balance between like standing on business and like having mm-hmm. fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, but I feel you. 
<laughs> yeah, you gotta find some enjoyment in the process. Like, <laughs> that's what uh, sure. Mm -hmm. um so you mentioned uh uptown taverns one of our spots that is definitely yes. one of our spots i mean i i'm almost like at this point that is our like sex in the city spot and although mm -hmm. we don't know the name of the spot that's like that carrie and all of them always ate breakfast at but i'm sh pretty sure it's sarah beth's but that's a whole nother thing for her another day but anyway um Uptown Tavern's our spot, but mm -hmm. what are some of the other places in San Diego that you just love to frequently attend? Um, there's a, a dude, I do like drag shows. Um, mm -hmm. so I, I know it's kind of, it's kind of funny, but I always think of them as like Power Rangers. Like they, <laughs> uh, right. Like you, like they, they kind of morph, morph in, yep. into these like very artistic <laughs> yep. people. And so, and so, um, uh, and so it's it's uh, it's great to see the art form. Um, and so one of the places that um, that kind of showcases that is Urban Mo's. Mm -hmm. um, the uh, the other place, uh, and then you know just trying out new restaurants. So when I was when I was here, um, one of the things I tend to do is go to a place um, is try to find out where where to go mm -hmm. um, in the in that community in that area. And then once I find my favorite places, I stick to it. Mm -hmm. so when uh so to study i love the stats in hillcrest um mm -hmm. it's uh, like uh like that was actually one of the first places that that was recommended you know when i was a fellow mm -hmm. and um and it was so weird because i was always going there as a fellow and i was and you know i would do i would read and and like and like you know, do my work there mm -hmm. and then when fellowship ended and i was transitioning from you know being a a, a fellow of being a, a um a learner to actually be an attending physician, which I mean, there's still that learning aspect, but it's just different. Um, I just remember still going to Lestat and just kind of looking around, like, hmm, what do I do now? Like, I guess I could read like a journal <laughs> article or something, but it's just like, like it, it was, it was that it was trying to make that uh, the, that change, you know, from learner to to attending physician. Um, the other uh, the other place I like going to is uh, a lot of uh, Korean barbecue spots. So um, my uh, um, was it my favorite place is Man of Heaven. Uh, they have one in Chula Vista. They also have one in Kearney Mesa. Mm -hmm. um, and so if you haven't been to to uh, Korean barbecue, it's really awesome. Like like uh, like they it's kind of you know, you make your own food and a lot of people don't like that. Like I would tell my mom, I told my mom about it and she was like, uh, uh I need, I need my food cooked when it comes <laughs> to my, when it comes to my table. Um, but it's just kind of a way to be more sociable and, mm -hmm. you know, and, and cook, um, at the same time. Um, and then also like, uh, there's a Vietnamese spot called Shank and Bone. Um, and, uh, I, I would say that's probably some of the, like one of the best pho broth that I have ever tasted. Um, like, uh, and it's, it's, uh, it's really good, good eats. So, uh, this is a few of the places that I enjoy going to. Yeah. I, I don't mind Korean barbecue. I, um, but I also feel like it's a good date situation mm -hmm. so you can see, see how he cook when he at home. Mm-hmm. And it's a good little uh, opportunity to bond and be like, no, babe, let me help you do that. Let me help you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right, um, a, little, a little opportunity to show off too. Like, right? oh yeah, I know how to... Know how to flick uh, of the wrist. Like, yeah. 
be like the salt man, salt bay. <laughs> like, like, Not just flexing. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. don't mind my muscles. Oh, excuse me. <laughs> oh. That's cute. <laughs> so as we move into the next portion of today's episode, um, I wanted to share a little fun fact. So this fun fact goes by, uh, is from Dr. Carter G., Woodson, known as the father of Black history, which is the person who started the first Negro History Week in 1926 uh, to ensure students would learn Black history. And then it grew into Black History Month starting in 1976. Isn't that crazy? I guess not with a hard ER, but I'm just saying Negro History Week is it's a little too I had to clutch my pearls real quick. I was like... (laughs) Look, hey, I mean, like, but ooh, this this is a thing. It's a hard ER. That's what it pass, was. But... Oh. Girl, look, it is what it is. But Negro History Week from in starting in 1926 and now Black History Month and for starting 1976. I mean, that's not that long ago, but I'm happy that we have advanced and that we are in a different space. And especially with um workplaces um they're doing their best to identify black history month and to celebrate it with their people of color and their black uh, and african-american employees so it's fantastic i'm loving it um all right so it is time for some black history trivia and i know you guys don't have the answers but i do (laughs) i'm like but i do um so i am going to let stephanie kick off the first question okay and then i will go from there all right i'm gonna start it wait first greg what's your favorite thing to cook like what's your specialty oh um i love uh jambalaya so uh, it's uh, it's actually pretty satisfying because um, uh, one and also very convenient. So it's a one pot meal. So mm-hmm. you you don't have to dirty up a lot of dishes like and it's just kind of you throw everything in there and it just makes some goodness. So <laughs> <laughs> OK, so the trivia question is which of the following is Maya Angelou's first body of work? A, I know why the caged bird sings. B, the heart of a woman. C, a song flung up to heaven. Or D, Barbie's dash world. (laughs) Well, I know it's not Barbie's world. Because that (laughs) came out last year. Um, I think I was was, uh, like, wait, heart of a woman. No, Kelly Price's album was soul of a woman, right? Yes. All right, so it's not that. So I'm gonna say uh, I know why the caged bird sings. I was gonna say A too. Yeah, right. A. Yes, A is correct. That is the correct one. Yes. We got a sip of our drink. Yes, yeah, sip your drinks. <laughs> um. Okay. So the second one is ham hocks are a part of, are what part of the pig? So A the feet, B the snout. C, the joints connecting the feet of the legs, or D, the belly? Um, 
I'm between A and C. I'm gonna say the joint, all right? Because I guess pork belly is pork belly and or is bacon. Mm-hmm. And it's like pork belly is like um, uh, menudo, like they do that too, like the the actual lining of the stomach. Oh, so yeah. So I don't think it's that. Okay. So I, maybe I think. And then pig feet is pig's feet. Right. Okay. Yeah. Then, yeah it's, so, so, <laughs> I'm gonna say here? either the snouts or the joints. C. Okay, so C I'm saying, or B. B C. or C. C? Okay. So yeah, C is correct. So the the ham hock is the joints connecting to the feet and the legs. Mm. Good to go. Um so I'm gonna read the next, the next one? one. Yeah. Okay. Madam CJ Walker is known as the first black self-made millionaire. What product led to her success? A hair grower. B the ironing board, C color ID, or D the traffic light. I think hair grower wasn't that like a wasn't there a movie? Yeah, with Octavia Spencer. It was on Netflix. It was actually a special. Mm-hmm. It was like I eight episodes, they, I think. Yeah, yeah. It was it was a it was like a limited series, right? Or mm-hmm. yeah. And like yeah, Tiffany Hess was in it. It mm-hmm. went viral too. It was mm-hmm. good. It was a good yeah. show. That was good. I actually enjoyed that. I'm going to say a hair grower as well. Nothing. What are you going to say? Yeah. Hey. Okay. So, yes, A is correct. Good job, y'all. Oh, my God. Not me knowing my black culture. We know our black history. (laughs) High five. All right. We know. We know some. All right. All right. So the next one is, who was the first African-American model to be featured on the cover of GQ magazine? Is it A, Iman, B, Naomi Campbell, C, Tyra Banks, or D, Sexy Red? All right, so I know it's not Sexy Red. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm going to cross that out. Did you guys see her pictures in the hospital after she had her baby? I thought that was before. Is that after? Mm -hmm. That was, was after lapping it out, friend. Mm. Uh, I mean, they and the baby in the background in the cradle thing. I didn't even see all of that, but got it anyway. Okay, so not sexy red. Not sexy no, red. not sexy red. Uh, GQ magazine. Now, GQ magazine is pretty. Is for now, I guess. I guess it's more it's diverse they have gq's women and gq men i guess now mm-hmm. but when i was privy to gq gq was just men gq men mm-hmm. magazine but mm-hmm. um but yes yeah, so Tyra banks stephanie what do you think i i want to say it's iman iman mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's because she. True. Well, maybe not. Mm. Yeah, I'll just say Naomi Campbell. I don't okay. know. Okay. It's C. Uh, Tyra Banks. Ooh, okay. Oh, nice. Yes, Tyra yeah. Banks. Yeah. Um, you want to do the next one? Yes. Um, the next one is. What two vegetables are traditionally eaten on New Year's Day? Uh, A, black-eyed peas and okra. B, black-eyed peas and squash. 
C, black eyed peas and corn, or D, black eyed peas and collard greens? They know, beat my ass if I get this wrong. <laughs> I mean, I just made that. Well, uh, like, and I'm sure Dana made it. Mm-hmm. I say D. I did. Green, mm-hmm. Greens and black eyed peas. Black eyed peas and greens. You are correct. So I want to just say it's funny that because I there was another question. And again, all the references are at the bottom of this page, just so you all know. Um, not listeners, but you three. Mm-hmm. The references at the bottom. But there was a question that asked about essentially um like cornbread and buttermilk, where it was like they would make the cornbread and crumble up the cornbread into buttermilk like it was cereal. And then just eat it like that? And just eat it like that. Have you heard of that? Yeah. I never, I mean. Yeah, I've heard of it. Um, It didn't sound appetizing though. Hot or cold? I, um... I don't know. It, it wasn't clear. So it said, what bread is traditionally eaten with buttermilk and soul food? And it was cornbread. Isn't that crazy? Mm-hmm. And then the thing that it would, uh, the Esther, the um, little notes at the bottom. Let me see if I can find it really quick. Really quick, really quick, really quick. Have you ever tried it, Greg? Or you just heard of it? Oh, no, I've only heard of it. Um, I've yeah, never my, tried it. My mom has talked about it before. Okay, so it says cornbread, which is made uh, from cornmeal, butter, eggs, etc. Sweet milk or white milk is either fried in a skillet, which is, that's called hot water cornbread. Uh Uh, In the shape of a small uh, patty, again, hot water cornbread, or is baked in the oven, it is buttered and then crumbled into buttermilk. King, I mean, I've never... I'm assuming it'd be hot. I guess it would have to yeah. be, right? Yeah, yeah. Um. Okay. Let's let's get into another one. So, okay. uh, I'm gonna skip I'm gonna over. It? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. Uh, Vir- Virgil Abloh. I don't know if I mispronounced the last name. Um, was best known for being the artistic director of which brand? A. Dior, B. Louis Vuitton, C. Chanel, or D. Victoria's Secret. I think I know this one. What's the answer? Louis? <laughs> was he he was the guy that that uh he died last yeah. year, right? He killed himself. I oh. think it was two years ago, actually. Wait, the guy that likes uh uh French onion soup. I think so. I don't know about that part, but he did kill oh. himself and he is not with us currently. Oh, okay. I think Louis Vuitton. <laughs> I'm gonna say, but you say Christian Dior, Louis Vuitton, Chanel, or Victoria's Secret. I'm gonna say Christian Dior. I'm gonna say Louis. The correct answer is Louis Vuitton. Oh, he was one of the first creative directors, Black African American creative directors for Louis Vuitton. Ooh. Well, I only know because. Kanye loved him and I love Kanye so (laughs) please save your side Idina (laughs) okay so which teen movie 
Did Gabrielle Union get her breakthrough role in? Was it A, she's the man, B, bring it on, oh baby, bring it on to me, or C, love and basketball, or D, hot chicks? Oh, bring it on. Love and basketball is, uh, um, that has Sanaa Lathan in it. And Omar Epps. Mm -hmm. Mm hmm And... Yeah, I'm going to say bring it on. Yeah, me too. Yeah, that's correct. Bring it on is correct. Um, What are grits made from? Is it A, ground, ground beef? Is it A, ground beef? B, ground coffee? C, ground ground rounds, rolling with my rounds? Or is it D, ground corn? <laughs> oh, Sexy Red is coming back in this question. <laughs> Pound town. <laughs> Ground round. <laughs> uh, corn? Ground corn? Yeah, I'm going to say ground corn. Yes, ground corn is correct. Do you want to ask the next one, Steph? Uh, let's leave that one to you, Dana. Oh, okay, great. Um, <laughs> What was Beyonce's first solo album called? Was it A, Dangerously in Love? B, crazy in love, C, forever in love, or D, B-Day? I think Dana would have the aneurysm if I missed this one. I know, me too. I literally. <laughs> me and Greg are like looking at each other Greg, like, we're like, we better be, we better be correct on this one. Hey, the, hey, the connection is going out, guys. Right. I'm mustering um, up to hang up. Uh, <laughs> I think my Wi-Fi. <laughs> right, so we better answer quick because, like, we can't think. We can't think too long about this because. Um, I think crazy. Oh, I think crazy in love. But I don't know. I'm gonna say dangerously in love. Stephanie, what is your final answer? <laughs> <laughs> I guess I'm changing it to dangerously. <laughs> yes, you are both correct. Ding oh, <laughs> Oh, God. Take a drink, Greg. Take a drink. Cheers. Ooh, yes. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> oh, oh, my God. I saw my life flash before my eyes. Hot flashes. All right. <laughs> Get your shit together, Carol. <laughs> right? Wait, so since I got so many, right, am I invited to the barbecue or what? Girl, <laughs> yeah. yes. Especially for the back eye peas and the collard greens. I think off mm -hmm. that, you are... And then, especially about the ham hock, because you know what a ham hock is. I think you Gucci. Because okay. I'm like, please don't come to the barbecue asking, what's a ham hock? What's this? What's right. this? Why is it in here? Right. Why is it so green? Is this pig? Right. Talking about, is this pork? No, it's ham hock. All right, all right. No, bitch. Give me a plate. <laughs> See, this is why this is it right here. This is because we've been carrying on. Okay, right. so go to the next question. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> I thought we were, we were cutting it there. Sorry. Okay, so the next question is, what are cracklings? A, fried chicken. B, fried skin in the pig. C, a vegetable. Or D, a turnip. I'll say B. Right, well, I lived in South Carolina, so I already know the answer. Mm -hmm. B fried skin of the pig. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Or like chicharron. Yeah. Chicharrones. Yeah. Chicharrones. Because yeah. don't they do like salsa and stuff on chicharrones and like you can or you like get meat. it just fried. You just uh-huh. need to fried. You put lemon on it. Mm-hmm. There was this place. There was a small um, uh, town in South Carolina that we would do our clinicals at, and there was this uh, there was this deli down the street from our from the clinic, and uh, someone had uh, given one of my co-residents had given me money to uh, to go get him some cracklings, and I had never gotten fresh cracklings before, mm. but they but like when I tell you, there's a reason they call them cracklings because they put them in that brown paper bag and it was like mm-hmm. the oil was soaking through mm-hmm. and you could hear it like while I was driving back to the clinic, all you hear was mm-hmm. like, it was like, like oil. I, yep. Mm-hmm. I have never had fresh crackles before. A lot of Latinos use it because when they go on diets, mm-hmm. um, they say, I don't think they have carbs, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, low carb. Something like that. Yeah, so they go on diets and everyone's eating that with lemon and hot sauce. <laughs> Yeah, in DC they have this uh fam- this popular um brand called Uts, uh UTS mm. Uts potato chips. And Uts made these barbecue um pork rinds. Mm. And like that's what we used to uh, that's what we would do for um low carb. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Um, um the next question. Want me to read it? Yeah, yep, 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 yep. All Eyes on Me is an album by which notorious rapper? A, Tupac, Shakur, B, Snoop Dogg, C, Dr. Dre, or D, Notorious Big? I know the answer. Me too. Tupac. Tupac, yep. Yes, it's definitely Tupac. Do you guys think Tupac's alive? Yes or no? Stephanie, Stephanie. (laughs) Don't fucking start. (laughs) Don't. Don't. You don't start. Because we had a just whole ask, episode about conspiracy for theories. I'm just asking for a friend. It's wait, a no. Last, no, wait, that was the episode before last, right? Yes. Yeah. So yeah. if you have not listened, that was episode before last about conspiracy mm-hmm. theories. Um, last, last question is, what was Whitney Houston's greatest selling hit? Was it A, I have nothing, B, I will always love you, C, I want to dance with somebody, or D, Drop it like it's hot. You gotta love me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I say B. I'm between B and C, but I feel like B is like the one that's like used like in weddings and like mm-hmm. things like that. I'm gonna say I will always love you. Yeah. Yes, that is correct. Good job, everyone. Yes. Good job. So Greg, you did great. It was great to have you. Um, we uh, love having you here. I hope that you come back and hang out with us again. Um, quickly, tell the people where they can find you. Uh, so you can find me at Sharp Hospice Care and also Sharp Rosemont Hospital in La Mesa, California. Mm-hmm. Um, things that I would uh, encourage everybody to do is to complete their advanced directive. And you can find a copy of the advanced directive on prepareforyourcare.com. Uh, um, this is a way to um, uh, share uh, your surrogate decision maker, so someone to um, uh, to make decisions for you when you can't make them yourself, and also to communicate your medical wishes to your medical team. Mm-hmm. Amazing, amazing. Well, again, it was fantastic. This was fun. 
I hope that we can do it again. And I think next time we'll do a little bit more of Greg on the ratchet side of things. <laughs> Greg, Greg after dark. Greg after dark. <laughs> and we'll have a different conversation. Thank you so much for coming to hang out with us. Thank you so much for sharing uh, your story and like a little and about your background and everything. It was great. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, we appreciate pleasure. it. Thank you so much. And I'm so happy for you guys again. And like, I'm so happy to be a part of this, um, uh, this uh, with you guys. And I'm glad to be part of Hella Cheese Man. Yes, yes. Thank you. Yes. Thank you, Greg. We're grateful for your time. Yes. Right, thank you. So I'm right. gonna we're gonna take a break and then we'll be back for the spiritual segment. Bye. All right, we are back from our break. And we hope you've enjoyed. I'm a little twisted. I'm not gonna lie. This is <laughs> this is the first cocktail or real alcohol thing I've had in a long time and i realized that i said you we i said the the e the n word with the er at the end and i want you to know it was the hennessy but <laughs> i'm black so i'm okay with that yeah everybody else felt uncomfortable but it was part of my 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 history and my generation and that is why we celebrate black history month is because we talk about all of these things that people went through Yes, friend. I can't speak on it, but you know, no, you I'm cannot. here for you. But amen. <laughs> but I am here for you. But thank you for recognizing <laughs> and thank you for understanding. Um, so in our spiritual segment, uh, I have a uh, affirmation. Uh, so it says challenges make you discover things about yourself that you never really knew. They are what make the instrument stretch, what make you go beyond the norm. This is by Cicely Tyson, actress and fashion model, who actually is no longer with us. So rest in peace, Cicely Tyson. Uh, the insert says, today's application. Uh, so it says, sometimes challenges are good and overwhelming. Oh, I'm sorry. And overcoming them is even better. Stretching yourself and trying new things keeps life both exciting and interesting. Taking calculated risk may even help you discover new things about yourself and prove just how strong and adaptable you are. How does that resonate with you, friend? I would say it resonates with me in life, <laughs> in general. Um, every time I have, you know overcome things or been in, in like certain situations or things like that um you do come out stronger and it ends up being for your own well-being and in you know the opportunity to level up and prepare you to level up so that's how I relate to that what about you yeah um for me you know I've I've been pretty cryptic about what's going on in my life and I try to not overshare overly share but um, and still today, I'm going to still be cryptic until I feel comfortable sharing, but, um, I, changes are important and, um, they, the changes that have happened in my life since last year, what I, which I've talked about a little bit, um, has definitely helped me be a little bit more vulnerable, which I'm not always very vulnerable or talking about, like, 
emotional things for me. So I think that um, everything that has changed and everything that has happened helped me be a little bit more vulnerable, helped me be a little bit more open. Um, so that's definitely how that resonates with me in that aspect. I also feel like, um, you know, it, it makes me want to kind of just ask and ask more questions about like, you know, what does the future look like for me? Ask those questions for myself and kind of plan that out for myself. Um, I feel like we talked about, um, I've talked about like creating a roadmap for myself uh, and being able to, um, you know, navigate what everything looks like for me. And so I think with the changes and thinking about those things about being more vulnerable, that will help me do those things. I think it would also allow other people to either like to get motivated by that or like to connect, you know, and relate to that on a certain level and feel like supported or whatever, which is kind of a full circle moment because we talked about vulnerability, I think, um, the last episode. So I think that that's definitely, I can relate to that. Yeah. Um, uh, yes, 100% agree. So, do you want to close us out? Yeah, so uh, we just want to thank you guys for tuning in and for your ongoing support. Um, also, just make sure you know you're like, uh, liking, commenting, sharing, subscribing um, on all platforms, whether that's Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Instagram, uh, Patreon, preferably, so you can get all the tea, all the visual. And uh, TikTok, we also, you know, we're on TikTok. And um, by the time this comes out, our live would have passed. So if you did hop on that, we hope you enjoyed it. And, you know, we will be having more of those. So make sure you stay tuned for that. And thank you, guys. Yes. And it will be on our platforms, the live, so you can watch it. Go back and watch it if you were not able to be there in per uh, live and in color. Honey, as our auntie T.S. Madison would say. Um, so, yes. And then do not text and drive. If you do, you will lose your pinky toe. And make sure to check on your friends, the even the strong ones. Call them. See what they're doing. See if they need you to come over and bring them some wing stop. So lemon pepper wings, Jesus, because it is it is raining out here and everybody needs some snacks. Everybody needs a cocktail. Everybody needs to calm the fuck down because it is so much going on in this world. Calm your tits, people. <laughs> yes, calm your tits on this beautiful <laughs> evening. Feel free to send me some lemon pepper wings from uh, Wingstop too because... I want some lemon pepper wings and I want garlic parmesan. Oh, that's what I got. I got the garlic sauce, parmesan sauce with the lemon pepper wings mm -hmm. and the voodoo fries. Uh-huh. I don't want no voodoo fries. I don't need all that shit on my fries. All I need is a little bit of salt. Jesus, a little bit of salt. <laughs> and, and ranch. I just, and, and, mm -hmm, and a side of ranch and blue cheese. Amen. And uh and I need a side of buffalo sauce as well. So so just so we are clear about our orders, 
Jesus. I just, I just need a little garlic parmesan. Hey, Jesus. Aquí, aquí. Yo, yo. Para solo, solo. I just need a little garlic parmesan, a little lemon pepper, a little blue cheese, and a little ranch. With a side of buffalo sauce. Amen. Thank you. Mm. Well, this was foolishness. I don't know why we did this. It was great. It started off real professional. It did. It went left. It went left. It went left. It's okay. Um, That's usually how it goes with us. Yes. Um, Authentic experience. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, I hope you all enjoyed. Um, And I hope you listen next week yeah and thank you stay stay woke yes (laughs) stay woke (laughs) during black history month and all the (laughs) we love you stephanie's drunk (laughs) bye (laughs)